Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We are going to be talking or revisiting the idea of pain and the the relevance, I suppose, of pain in the medico-legal context. I don't know about you, but um, it seems to be uh, an area that is becoming more and more prominent, I think, in the work we do as case managers and as, as, as legal professionals, therapists in the personal injury world. And I think for the right reason, it's massively complicated. It has links with lots and lots of the work we do, and it has huge implications for the rehabilitation that we're so desperately trying to maximize for our clients. It's also really interesting, I think, how it relates um, to us as practitioners, which I I know I would say this, and and, and, um, if you do follow me, you will know that how we as practitioners hold ourselves in the space with our clients is massively important. And it's these ideas come together and, and makes a lot of sense uh, for, the, for our next guest on today's podcast, who really gets what I mean by all of this. And she will come from that massive expertise of understanding pain and particularly with clients in the medico-legal context and thinking about sort of the neuroscience of it all. And so today we have Romy Sherlock from Retraining Pain, whose service is a multidisciplinary service around pain assessment and interventions uh, for clients who are experiencing persistent um, and chronic pain in the personal injury context. Um, So welcome, Romy Sherlock. Hi, Shavnan. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for your time, because I know you are massively enthusiastic about pain and how you can support our clients and in a way that really connects with what I understand as well. So I'm really excited to share your perspective with our personal injury colleagues, really. But before we do, um, you know, the way we tend to start off our episodes is um, tell us a little bit about Romy. Why pain? What got you to this, you know, part this sort of trajectory in your career? Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, (laughs) because I think um, pain, you know, I don't think anyone else who kind of works in pain would disagree that a lot of the time it's not the most popular area to Mm. to work in. So sometimes, yeah, it can be a bit of a journey to get there. But I've worked in pain for kind of most of my qualified career as a clinical psychologist. And honestly, it was kind of opportunistic the job that I took, I had a role uh, in an NHS pain management service for a lot of years. And um, yeah, I honestly, I had mixed feelings initially about whether that was an area I wanted to go into, because I think as health professionals, we do kind of get trained to whatever you, your background to alleviate distress, don't we? And there's just something mm. about chronic pain that can just feel so hopeless sometimes and so um, entrenched that it's like oh you know and I think that's maybe why lots of people sort of sometimes think it's not the area for them and interestingly the interview presentation that I had to do for that job was something like working with people with chronic pain heart sink patients or heaven sent opportunities um, and so it kind of really, or just lay that on the table straight away for wow. um, for for the mixed feelings maybe that that go with that. But 
I just fell in love with working um, in this area because you will know that sometimes as a clinical psychologist, we get trained to work in a really broad way. So not just as Mm -hmm. therapists, but as people who kind of want to work in teams, who want to formulate and kind of conceptualize cases, who want to kind of train other professionals and supervise and do research. And I think working in pain is so akin to working in a team, you know, and working in a t- with a team of people who all also are really enthusiastic about the changes that we can help people to make whilst kind of um, experiencing a long term pain problem. So, so that was kind of it wasn't um, it wasn't a well thought out um, journey, but it, it was just where I landed. And happened to meet, um, you know, lots of other people who sort of shared that enthusiasm, really. Yeah. And and I do find that those people who do work in pain are massively enthusiastic, like way more than many other areas. (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder why, whether that is sort of linked to the fact that it is multidisciplinary and, you know, not all of you could be wrong, right? There's got to be something in it there. But obviously, you, you don't connect at all with the, I, you know, so much with the the sort of sinking ship aspect. Um, um, uh, that actually, that it's it's actually a very hopeful, I think, um, so. place yeah. to work. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think in terms of our kind of then journey into retraining pain, it was around. Um, you know, I, I don't work in the NHS any longer, but you know, worked in in the medico legal field for again a number of years, and sort of we see that um, people with pain often it's really difficult for them to have the right rehabilitation mm-hmm. and the right time um, from the right professionals with the right skills so often that's really frustrating as well when you're trying to do your like little bits as a psychologist but it's not joined up with anybody else in a team that you know thinking but I, this person needs an occupational therapist or a physio or you know just something more than than what we can do but but we know that if we were actually working in a really integrated way that we could probably make a really big difference so it was born of um of of a knowledge that we could do this way better <laughs> oh yeah no that's amazing and and actually massive relevance in the personal injury world and I, I believe the big co- part of your client cohort is actually yeah. uh, from the medical is that right absolutely yeah yeah, so so there is that understanding of the context as much as the um, you know the sort of intervention aspect of yes, it. Absolutely. And tell me a little bit. So I'm I'm going to ask you to take us back to basics then a little bit. Well, not really basics in the um, in some sense, but you mentioned when we were talking earlier. There's a huge neuroscience behind pain. Yes. Um, and it just occurred to me that. I'm not sure that I know what that's all about. Yeah. I think I can hazard a guess, and I'm sure many of the people listening in today might be able to hazard a guess, but I'm wondering if you could sort of share what you meant by that. Absolutely. Well, many kind of pain geeks who unite mm-hmm. in, in their love of pain will, will be familiar with people like um, Lauren Mosley and David Butler, and I think they've kind of been leading the way, really, in helping us to, to think about pain and and what um what the neuroscience can tell us about it because obviously we've all we've all worked with people where you know we often say to people it's more than than issues in the tissues you know sometimes (laughs) there aren't any we can't make sense of why people have pain 
And then obviously that can be particularly tricky in, in the medico legal world because it's then sort of like, well, what does that mean? Or sometimes, you know, people have had, you know, these really catastrophic injuries and perhaps they don't um, recover as we might have expected them to. Or perhaps we would never expect them to make a really kind of full recovery. Um, and it's kind of helping people to, to understand. And, and I guess we know as well that the more people know about what's going on in the inside, actually, that can be a really helpful tool for their toolbox, for their pain management, because, you know, once we understand actually pain is really complicated. So, you know, I suppose, first of all, we, you know, we really want people to know that on the whole, people's pain is real. And even though we might not understand it always from that kind of organic perspective, we know that, that it's there. So Lorimer Mosley and David Butler, you know, they've written some, they've got kind of some fantastic materials out there and, and books and, and trainings and things. But I suppose in a nutshell, we're thinking about if our nervous system is constantly, um, it's constantly watching, isn't it? It's constantly taking information in from, from the environment and from our own bodies. And we need to think about what kinds of stimuli present danger in our system. And what kind of stimuli presents safety? So I will often say to people, you know, that I'm working with that we don't really think about pain as kind of pain pathways or pain centers. We really think about when the body detects enough danger from various different things, then that's going to send all of those danger messages up to the brain and the brain's going to kind of, you know, put all of that together. And, you know, if there's enough of it, it's going to say, you know what, let's make some pain. We don't know what's going on here, but we know there's a lot of danger. So we know that's really helpful if you've just broken your ankle. All of those danger messages are going to be going up to the brain. And we're going to get that really useful pain. But unfortunately, sometimes what happens when people have had pain for a long time, or there's, um, there's various other factors, is that perhaps those danger messages continue. So it's like it becomes like a super overprotective system. And not only might that pain be coming from the, the site of an injury, but then it might kind of start coming from other places in the body too that haven't, haven't had any kind of obvious injury. Um, mm. So we start to think about, yeah, there's, you know, even more, more of those danger signals coming up. And actually, you know, and that can be not just around damage that may have occurred, but it might be about, you know, people in your life, um, like, you know, your relationships, your solicitor phoning up and, you know, sort of telling you things about your, your case or, you know, the, the doctor's office and them showing you a scan of what your back looks like or um, the things that you think and believe about yourself um, in relation to what's going on or some of the things you do. So all of that the danger or all that safety can come from lots of different places. So I guess our job is often kind of educating people around for you, because mine will be different and yours will be different. But for this person sitting in front of us, what is setting off your danger system? And also, how do we help you create safety in your nervous system? So that obviously, you know, when, when the body is detecting lots and lots of safety, then that's predominantly what the message is that the brain is receiving. And, um, and you know, consequently you know how does that help you reduce or manage the pain that you've got 
really helpful description actually <laughs> that's really that felt like a re- I was felt like um like I was following in my mind you know the kind of process that someone might go through and actually not once did I sort of sense that it was kind of you know really rooted in the physical it yeah. really felt like it was much more uh, more that it was uh, it's it, it has a massive psychological component yes there is a neuroscience where you are yeah. linking in with the body and I know a lot of people do talk about this we do have another podcast discussion about sort of the mind body connect but mm. it it you know traditionally historically has really been a, a sort of you know physical um, yes. understanding yeah and so and then obviously often people's kind of first line response you know is one that we would use for acute injury which mm. will be a medicalized approach mm. um, but if you think about all of those different elements of detecting danger then it's not surprising really that sometimes people have you know injections medications surgeries even um mm. and they they aren't the magic answer for their pain and then unfortunately what can happen this is definitely what happens in the nhs is um eventually they go god we don't know go see the psychologist and right. obviously the message people get then is oh so i'm crazy you think yeah. i'm making the pain up you think it's all in my head you think or people unfortunately sometimes you get told you think this pain is emotional pain mm. um and i always kind of say to people I just I think that's really unhelpful but also all pain is physical and emotional you know if you mm. if you stub your toe you probably have you know previous experiences where that's happened to you or you know who's left that thing on the floor what's my anger response doing you know um, what are my beliefs around what's going to happen with that injury is it going to stop me from doing anything so of course we carry physical and psychological responses to even the simplest of things so yeah and it just makes me think, gosh, at the point at which you start talking about it being multidisciplinary or, or psychological can make a massive difference in how that pain is experienced in the sense that if you just leave it purely within that medical model and then it becomes, you know, then it becomes recognized by someone down the line, potentially, mm. not necessarily always, but potentially, you're actually, um, you know, presumably coming through the doors of the psychologist. It, we're, you know, we're talking about a much more traumatized, mm. therefore, in pain person that yeah. could, where this could have actually been completely avoided or, or to some degree mitigated by yeah. just acknowledging yeah. that this is a you know a mind body issue rather than purely a body issue or purely a mind issue yeah <laughs> um, you know yeah and sometimes people are you're right people are then you know coming through the door who they may have a um, kind of ptsd from an accident or an injury and that may be kind of a big part of the jigsaw, but then there's also um, there's also the kind of post trauma trauma of um, you know the pain experiences that they've had and the interventions that they've had, the messages they've been told, you know that and and sometimes they're what we consider like hopeful messages like I can't see anything on your scan that's explaining why your knee is so painful. And that's actually incredibly threatening to that person mm. because they're saying, but then that doesn't, I don't know what to do with that. That doesn't explain why I'm having all of this pain. So yeah, I love talking to people about why psychologists work in pain because it's, you know, the, the first impression might be, oh, it's because, you know, people don't believe me 
or I'm malingering or yeah. and it's like nothing could be further from, from, from the truth mm. um, it's because you know we just have a different skill set and I think once you understand that kind of danger in me or safety in me or dims and sims then you think oh yeah okay so that does make sense to come at this from lots of different angles you know how yes. does my mood affect my pain how does my previous experiences affect my pain how do my current relationships affect my pain okay well they're all the domain of of kind of psychology so um, mm. but but crucially you know alongside the other people in the team who have their part to play because if we don't do all of that at the same time often what will happen is you know you can only get so far you know and I, I think I sort of have seen this a lot where I might be working with somebody who's really complex and I think I really need to you know maybe they ha- they're not even having any physio or OT or they're having some but it's definitely not the kind of um, you know it's maybe not evidence-based um, mm. sometimes unfortunately and and it's hard to kind of but we really need to be working in this this joined up way of yes. okay so if there's barriers to movement because there's so much fear and it's creating so much danger but then there's also trauma symptoms and then you know, um, there's there's kind of lots of other barriers in the way. How do we have a really joined up treatment plan so mm. that, you know, we can be doing that at the same time uh, to give people yeah. the best chance of rehabilitating? Whatever Definitely. That like. Well, no, exactly. And I think that that whole case conceptualization idea is a, it, I think it has relevance in many aspects of, of the personal injury work, different disciplines do, including case management, but that's another story for another time. Mm. Um, but I, to me, what, what you're saying, there's something about language and how we use language and how that can be triggering or calming mm. um, for clients. And, and actually, as you say, prof- other professionals in the, in the fold, really. Yeah. And that to me is... Um, like any medicalized language, I think is scary. Yeah. You know, as soon as someone says, uh, I think you mentioned sort of scans and in, in procedures mm. and, and mm. I just think, oh no, that just mm. sounds yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, is, is that, is, is language part of the wider yeah. sense of the intervention assessment yes. and intervention? Yeah. Hugely, mm. hugely important. And I think just taking that example of something like scans, I mean, Thank goodness you don't really hear people talking about crumbling spines and things anymore. But mm. you know, in the not in the not too distant past, that was kind of a much more kind of frequently heard expression. But yeah. you know, people will often, often kind of. I've certainly worked with people where they've been quite traumatized about what they've what they've been told is on their scan, and it might be things like you know degenerative. Um, sort of degenerative changes or degenerative spinal disease or whatever and they're like oh my goodness mm. and, and sort of just trying to help people to understand it's, uh, it's wear and tear you know it's, it's wrinkles yeah. and gray hair on the inside you know frightening <laughs> it's not it's, frightening you know, yeah when you... it's it's not and yeah. if you know it doesn't and, have to be <laughs> and we you know we would probably all have that if we had had a good look you know on yeah. on a scan but yeah, absolutely. And, and again, sort of as we've, as we've touched on the sort of language of the, the sort of psychological language as well mm. about, about validation um, mm. of people's symptoms and yeah. um, how much we can understand that. I think, you know, yeah. that's going to that's create a sense of safety in me if I went to see somebody and they said, look, you know, this is what this says. But, you know, we often they're a part of the jigsaw puzzle, but they're not the whole mm. jigsaw puzzle. So they can be important, but there's other things that are important too. 
that would mm. sort of you know set my mind at ease and think okay and and actually pave the way like you say for a more um kind of multidisciplinary approach i guess we we do often live in a world don't we that's very you know sort of medicalized for lots of lots of difficulties and it's it's really more about being done to than done mm. with yeah. um so yeah it's i think it's i think it's really hard to try and um and and that's why i think it's it's really important actually that people you know if you're working in personal injury how can you avoid working with people with pain and actually just being a bit familiar and confident with some of these these ideas is really really helpful um because it's going to help your relationship with those clients as well around you know this is the position we're coming from it's not yeah. a sort of threatening non-believing position it's um it's just knowing that pain is um pain is really strange and um and really painful yeah yeah absolutely i mean because that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day is maintain a therapeutic alliance so we can have those tricky conversations or clients can bring their safely aspects of their experience that perhaps are less easy to understand because they know that you're going to manage it um, and acknowledge it and validate it as you say Mm -hmm. which is so crucial and it it just makes me think actually because I'm going to I'm going to out myself a little bit I do struggle with seeing someone in pain it is Mm -hmm really hard to experience as an observer mm-hmm. um I, I literally feel it my my knees going wobbly and yeah. while my brain seems to still engage you know I do um I do find it really tough and it's no surprise that some you know the vast majority of my clients don't experience <laughs> pain actually which I hadn't actually realized as until we were speaking that oh I wonder why that is um and how that brings it a little like how that um how that makes me feel how I can tolerate pain in someone else because I know what it will do for me is trigger that sense of feeling a bit helpless Mm. um not being able to perhaps say the right thing (laughs) because frankly I'm probably freaking out to some degree Mm. and And sometimes the right thing the only thing people want to hear is I can fix this pain I can take it away It, it will go and when we yeah. get to the point where maybe, you know, we, we have a sense that we might not be saying that. Yeah, that's, that can feel really, that can feel really dangerous for us, can't it? As yeah. health professionals or case managers or, you know, professionals working in this, in this field. And I think that's, you know, if you don't, if you don't wince when someone falls off the trampoline on you yes. being framed, you know, oh. like it's, it's those mirror neurons, isn't it? That, you know, they're, they're the reason that, you know, we can feel empathy and yeah. Um, actually, yeah, to sit alongside somebody who's in pain is, mm. can be really, really painful. And I think, you know, it's about what does that activate in our own nervous systems as well? Mm. I mean, obviously other case managers and personal injury professionals don't necessarily, <laughs> aren't necessarily as triggered as I am because you do get referrals, obviously for people yeah. who understand, can sit with that, can acknowledge that pain and say, hey, we need to do something about this. Let's send our client, you know, let's refer our client to, to you know, to Dr. Sherlock at Retraining Pain and um, she'll help. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that that's a fair comments to make I'm obviously (laughs) you know not I mean yeah that's just I know my limitations in that sense but um that doesn't you know that 
that's something that I, you know, I, I want to, to be able to believe that my colleagues are not in that same boat, but also, yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to hit you, uh, hit you up with a, a request for, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, if you are someone who's a little bit, it's not squeamish, but there's a source of squeamishness, yeah. um, about it. Yeah, I think, I think, cause yeah, I think kind of being able to kind of have that that capacity to perhaps know when to refer on and that sort of thing mm. is, is obviously really helpful. And I think a bit of a theme of some of your previous podcasts have been around kind of how do we reflect and recognize, yes. you know, what's going on in ourselves. Yes, and know you, thyself. <laughs> yes, your kind of vicarious trauma episode mm, around, you know, what's yes. kind of rubbing off on us from other people's experiences. Yeah. So I think sometimes you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of acceptance and commitment therapy and thinking about you know how do we actually sometimes have to respond to that writing reflex of wanting mm. to fix somebody it's it's okay isn't it that we um you know our, that's what that's maybe why we're in the field it's around yeah around mm. alleviating distress but if we can't um, maybe give the answer that people want how do we sit with mm. that in our own system sometimes yes. and I mean, we're really privileged as psychologists because we have clinical supervision. So yeah. we have lots of we have lots of opportunities to do that. And I think when you work in a team as well, it gives you really mm. good opportunities to share that heaviness sometimes and, yes. and, and also the hope maybe sometimes, um, you know, you can share a bit of that as well. But also just, you know, I know we've we've chatted a bit previously about maybe how you can can you only go as far with that client as you've gone yourself? So how do mm. we befriend our own nervous systems a bit? So I'm a big fan of polyvagal theory and kind of bringing that into my work as well. And, you know, in a very small nutshell, really, that's just about thinking about, we all know that we've got a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system. So we've got our fight or flight and we've got our kind of rest and digest. But we've also got we've got a couple of different versions of of our parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, are we going to shut down and feel overwhelmed and maybe kind of paralyzed by or numb? You know, and I think maybe that's what compassion fatigue feels a bit like mm. sometimes. Or are we going to be in more of that that ventral vagal state where we're like, yes, I can overall live in that state where um where I feel safe and connected with the people I'm with probably you know we're all going to dance in and out of of those different parts of our nervous system all the time but can we have that kind of ventral break over the top so it's like that umbrella that holds us so that obviously you see the difficult client maybe they're angry maybe they're disappointed maybe we're feeling their pain we feel hopeless how do we kind of recognize that, yeah, okay, that's my kind of my sympathetic activated response or my, my mm. shut down numb response, but that I'm confident enough in that ventral system to bring me back online again, um, which I mm. guess just comes back to, um, you know, the things that we, that we all probably talk about quite a lot in terms of how do we, how do we look after ourselves when working mm. in this challenging field? Can, can we, can we befriend the nervous system a bit? You know, can we say it's okay that I feel anxious or hopeless or um, sad for this person right now? And I can kind of, you know, perhaps take that and manage that, you know, in my own way before kind of having to 
see that person again and, and think about how to move forward with that. Yeah, no, um, thank you for bringing that in. I, As you know, I'm a big fan of us as professionals being part of the experience of our clients. And actually, yeah. potentially, are we accidentally, given, given what you said earlier about the, I suppose, the assessment um, around what contributes to pain being so broad. And I think you mentioned earlier relationships and mm-hmm. how one, you know, relates to other people. And you know, we actually may well be part of that. You know, yes. I'm sure if I, I'm sure I would be if I had a, you know, a client who's severely in pain all the time and I'm freaking out. I'm not going to soothe them. No. I'm not going to activate their or my parasympathetic nervous system, am I? Yeah, I'm exactly. going to be the complete opposite of that. And so that concept of self care and bringing it back home a little bit, a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> is crucial absolutely crucial it's a really important point because one of the things I didn't say I think about polyvagal theory is about how yes we're self-regulating all the time but also we need other people to co-regulate as well and Mm. so you know when we're in that ventral system you know we we, we, we're social we're safe and social and you know that's when you know that's probably when we're going to be at our best with our clients isn't it you know that Mm. we we're helping them co-regulate and to some extent we're co-regulating kind of with them as well yeah 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 it's and I suppose the the danger then isn't it of you know when you maybe work in a field where massively over capacity you've got incredibly complex people on your caseload you know there's a lot of expressed emotion involved isn't there in litigation and there's a lot at stake I think it could be easy to think, oh, God, not that person with chronic pain again. I'm seeing this afternoon. I don't know what to do with them. Um, yeah. That would be a really natural response, wouldn't it, in, in that yeah. context of, um, of just thinking this just feels overwhelming for them and it feels overwhelming mm. for me. Yeah, no, it's, it's all sort of feeds into the system, doesn't it? And the experience. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, that that's, makes so much sense. And it's, it's really helpful to think about pain from that neuro science perspective and that polyvagal theory I think has massive relevance in the work we do not yeah. just in pain but in, you know generally but it's really interesting to see it uh, you know how it might work in the in the pain context as well I, I, I'm not sure that I've heard it being used actually that much in the personal injury mm. context so um hey, maybe may a first <laughs> so well done you um I, so tell tell us so if we I know you've mentioned loads of really helpful ideas mm. if I were to say could you pick three ideas that our our audience can list here and say do you know what I can do that that makes a lot of sense to me or that's something that I could you know I could run with that idea to, yeah. just to explore you know pain yeah. management and to think about how to support clients really to maximize yeah. those those goals yeah what what would your top three be oh gosh that's a really good question <laughs> um I think you know if we just it sounds so obvious and um and simple but just you know continuing to remind ourselves that you know pain is so subjective and that pain is real even when we don't understand it, it's just, it's really strange. Um, but when we do understand it a bit more, from, we can see why it's so strange. Thinking about um, how often pain is just one huge overprotection 
So it's actually, you know, how can we befriend this a little bit more? It's like, it's not something that's my enemy and it feels like it, but actually it's something that's your body is trying so hard to protect you. Um, it's doing it a little bit too well. Um, so we need to, we need to help it dial down its enthusiasm a little bit. <laughs> um, but you know, if we, if we can kind of befriend and understand that, then that can help us, you know, go a long way towards that. And I don't know, I guess I might think about how, how do we continue to kind of carry forwards our responsibility that sometimes we work in a very medicalized world. Um, and I think even though we know all of this stuff that sometimes clinical practice is still way behind the times. Mm. Um, so how do we, we, we kind of, we have a responsibility to, to know a little bit about what's going on, to know when we're kind of, we need to refer on to specialists where we need to have a team. We need to have a team around these people because it's mm. just, a, it is a joy to work with people in a, in a joined up way, in a collaborative way, um, kind of with joint treatment goals. It's just, it's, it's actually just magical for the rehabilitation process, I think. Yeah. That's not um, too strong a way of putting it. No, it, I, do you know what? I, I think many people would agree. It yeah. does feel a bit like magic. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I just think it's a massive barrier. You know, if we yeah. don't deal with the pain, how can we deal with anything else? Because it's so there it's so present it's so the you know it can be the experience that people have all the time and I don't think as someone who's never really experienced other than sort of expected or normal levels of pain um I I I don't know if I would ever really know what it's like to feel chronic pain all the time but I know when I have been in pain it is literally all I can see yeah how then am I expected to layer on top rehabilitation (laughs) dealing with uh, professionals all the time Mm. having care when everything exacerbates that pain I just Mm. you know I'm lucky enough that whenever I've been in pain I've been able to just stop and it'll go away because you know your basic paracetamol is going to work Mm. you know uh, on a very basic level um and I you know a couple of days I get up and crack on again or whatever you know or a day or even hours later I I just think it's it almost needs to be right at the beginning of our journey in understanding our client rather than right at the end yeah at some point exactly And I know it, it can really vary when case managers actually get involved with people. Sometimes they've already been on this journey for quite a while. But, you know, I think we're lucky yeah. that we've worked with some amazing case managers who really recognize mm. that, you know, this is like this isn't like a last ditch attempt. Oh, no, we've tried everything else. Now let's try this. Yes. It's, it's actually right from the beginning. Right. Pain is really tricky. And we need to we need to kind of be working on this in not in a simplistic um, you know, let's see if we can find the magic tablet that um, works. Mm. You know, chances are that's that's actually not the case for most people. No, no, that's yeah. Well, my hat off to those professionals who do refer to you and get it, because mm. uh, you know, whenever I talk to professionals, um, particularly those who specialise in pain and have an MDT setup, mm. I just uh, I just think, wow, I almost want to have a client with chronic pain so I can <laughs> refer. Yeah on yeah. um I mean for me it's it's also it's also helping me redress the uh, address the idea of 
almost why why doesn't my client have pain? Because actually they might be on a massive medley of drugs, uh, including morphine, and they and the impact that that has in their life means that they're not able to engage quite in the way that they want to. Very yeah. sluggish, or they're tired, and actually that's not pain management, then, is it? No, it's not. Really, it's not. that's just existing, as, isn't it? Existing. Um, it's yeah. just existing. That's exactly right. And yeah, it just it, it it's it's an opportunity, I think, to reassess the needs of clients in those positions, actually, yeah. into this other model, which yeah. might feel scary and, and uncomfortable. And I'm sure that there would be ways that you and your team would coach. Uh, you know, case managers and other professionals into mm. sharing how to do that. In fact, I'm pretty sure you mentioned that you will be, you know, offering free webinars to the, the medico legal personal injury world yes. for, to help us do that very thing to talk yeah. about to clients about pain and how it can actually be treated perhaps differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in a, in a podcast, you can kind of scratch the surface of some yes. of these ideas and I think um, we just thought it could be really useful if people would be interested in just a, a kind of free, maybe one hour webinar where we just talk a little bit more about some of these ideas and, and crucially try and give people some really tangible things that you can take away and say, at the end of that hour, I'm going to have, you know, three, four, five things that I've got in my pocket that when I'm working with these people with, with kind of really difficult to manage pain, I can try out, I can put into action. Yeah. Um, that would be great. So yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we're, we're going to be doing that soon after, after this podcast goes live. So oh, wow. uh, people can reach out if they want and, um, yeah, and sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> sign up come along. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, know, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think it's, it's a really generous um, thing to do. And I think it's really important as well, because I know you are massively um, experienced and your team is as well. So this is a real golden opportunity as far as I'm concerned. And my whole team will be signing up, by the way. So. Okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, look out for a barrage of um, psychologists and, <laughs> and uh, case managers uh, yeah. signing up from PsychWorks and uh, SBK case management. Um, but no, that, so if people want to get hold of you, Romy, how do people do that? Obviously, yeah. uh, presumably this, the details of this web webinar will be on your website. Yeah, so our website's retrainingpain.co.uk. You can reach out to us on info at retrainingpain.co.uk. And obviously, we will post some details on LinkedIn too when, uh, when that's going to happen. Yes, I know you hang out on LinkedIn. And well, I don't really do a lot of the other social media things that much no, me, Instagram Twitter no, no a little bit little I'm bit learning I'm learning yeah not much yeah. not much LinkedIn's uh, my home where at it's at. Yeah. yeah yeah that's definitely where I'm I'm at so okay well we will look look out for that and and definitely um uh share and yeah. all the rest of it but for now if I can say thank you so much Romy Sherlock for your time and helping us retrain in pain a little bit. Um, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Not at all. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening in. Do the honours, if you don't mind, to like, comment and share. And um, we will see you at the next one. All right. Bye for now. Before you go, 
If you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support. 